0: Good morning and welcome to the Beers for Bacon show with me, Jason Black. We've had a decidedly rich in protein couple of shows, I have to say, so there's no point in changing this late in the game, especially to appease the veggie lovers out there. Today, we're all about lamb, and I'm really sad to say it, unsheepishly so. We both know that Saturdays without wine would be a horrible way to live, so JC is back in the studio today, and he's been fully briefed to come up with a few varietals that'll match this week's menu. Also, we were lucky to catch up with Chef Greg Maloof while he was in town. It was a little bit earlier this week and he was talking about a delicious roasted shoulder of lamb from Amman. And our regular guest, Mike Van Warmelo, is back. This time he's sharing a recipe from his souvela days. Koshin chef Renaud Moran does pot of fur. And today we're also off to my hometown of Durban to talk about mutton bunny chow. It's basically a bone-in curry served in a hollowed-out loaf of bread. There's a book review, of course some alphabet soup, and no doubt a few bleating noises thrown in for effect. All coming up right after this
1: guy. Good morning Jason, I have a story to tell you. I hope it's about lamb. In fact, it is sort of about lamb <laughs> because it's about an experience I had with Vinexpo a few uh, weeks ago, you remember? Yes. It was a 3D uh, um, travelling through uh, the vineyards of New Zealand. Incredible thing. I was sitting there on a chair. I had this mask over my, my eyes and there was a, a movie, a 360 degree movie playing around around me basically. And as I was moving my head up and down and on the side, I could actually feel that I was there. So it was shot most likely with a drone. And so when we were going up, it's like I was flying over the vineyards and we could see the mountains, we could see the, the river. And I really thought I was in New Zealand. It was incredible flying through the air like this. And as you know, in New Zealand, they say that there are more ships on the ground than there are people. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about uh, <laughs> this on my way here because we were going to speak about lamb, and it, it, it's true, it's incredible. In this video, also we could see on one side of the vineyard there were patches of of, of uh, grass uh, uh, grass for feeding the uh, those sheep, and it, it was incredible, incredible mm-hmm. view. And this experience is really amazing.
0: Mm, lamb is one of those um, one of those meats that's probably less popular than it should be. Um, I I think some people find the smell of it offensive
1: but I've always found it to be an awesome, awesome meat Me too, me too It's my favourite meat You know, Jason, my wife she would disagree with you by saying it's not popular because in my house it is very popular In fact, every Sunday every Sunday night I cook lamb at home Now I think she must be bored, the poor girl (laughs) It's either a a rack of lamb Mm -hmm. or something else related to lamb and we have this every Sunday night and it's absolutely wonderful.
0: Mm, and in terms of pairing wine with a lamb?
1: For me, I like to uh, drink something a little bit aged. Uh, similar to to what we were talking about last week, I think an aged wine is more savory, um, more gamey, and uh, perhaps also more tasty. And so with such a, a meat like lamb, like you say, it's quite uh, flavorsome. Uh, I like to match it with this sort of um, of wine because it complements very well the um, the taste, first of all, and also the texture, and this is what I like very much.
0: I found one of the, the, you know, having been a chef for a long time, one of the things I liked about lamb is the difference between um, the sort of the cuts that you can braise, like your lamb shanks, uh, and then your older parts, like your, your sheep, for example, when they take mutton, and then, you know, it's very much used by Indian, uh, in Indian cuisine because it, it takes those heavy spices. If we had to have a look at lamb, uh, say, used in, in India, for example, how would you pair a wine with that, given that it's so strong?
1: You know, Jenny Cho Lee, the master of wine in Hong Kong, the first Asian master of wine, she wrote a very nice book about food and wine pairing. And she uh, actually foods of Asia. And she believes that um, if you like spicy, spicy food, you should drink something tannic, uh, 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 a big red wine that is tannic, because then it will extend the effect of uh, the, the tannins. Um, in your uh, the spiciness in your mouth, and she believes that um, such big reds work very well with uh, with uh, this type of food from India, as you say. I tried that, and I absolutely agree with this. And it's also comforting somehow. Curry, uh, a nice spicy curry is kind of a comfort food. With a a, a powerful Shiraz, full-bodied tannic Shiraz can be quite interesting.
0: And, and would you say that wine lists in restaurants and in Indian restaurants in particular take this into account? Because I would say that the wine lists are probably substandard for the most part, and you don't find the
1: heavy reds that you're saying probably go best. In, in fact, perhaps the wine list is substandard, as you say, because many people have the idea that with Indian food they should drink beer. beer yeah. And I, I, I completely disagree with this. I think there are some beautiful experiences you can have, as well with red, as I just said, as well with white, but especially with sparkling. One time uh, I invited a master of wine in Hong Kong. And, you know, for me, a master of wine is a mentor because I study for master of wine. So it's a little bit intimidating because we never know what we should serve, where we should go and i decided to bring matthew uh, in a small hole on the wall an uh, uh, indian restaurant where they were serving curry on the sidewalk uh, not on the sidewalk in a plate and there was a table <laughs> on the sidewalk I yeah got it. They you get me yeah. <laughs> yeah, i got you so anyway so and matthew was absolutely happy about this because for him he was craving this type of food he was so bored of foie gras yeah mm. and so we went to this restaurant and on the way we passed by a wine shop and i said to him let's go buy a prosecco Ah, he says, are you crazy, Prosecco with with Indian food? I said, I never tried, but I have a a guess it's going to be wonderful. And he says, okay, let's try it. And in the end, it was so delicious, we should have bought a second bottle. Because Prosecco is slightly sweet, uh, very fresh, good acidity. The bubbles, they are also refreshing the mouth. And... Uh, Prosecco is very floral, very perfumed so with this kind of food it was not only a compliment but it was also a kind of sweet and sour situation where uh, both were playing their role very well and we could feel very well the food and also the wine it was a great experience
0: JC Vance will be back again next week. I thought I'd give the gadget test a go this week. It's a pretty simple one. I didn't want to make myself look silly. And actually, it's a gadget that I had airport security in two cities all over me. It's something I, along with them, had never seen before.
1: Inspector gadget.
0: When I was on a trip recently, I found something that promised it would take the seeds out of peppers. Now, if you've worked with green peppers or chilies before, you'll know that you, it's very easy to take the top off the pepper, but what's normally a complete pain in the backside is having all of the seeds, because trying to get them out is, is, is normally quite, a, quite a nightmare. Alright, so this is, it basically, it looks like a tomato knife, it's shaped very much like a blade uh, it's got a nice rubber handle um, and if you know those old tomato knives that are serrated on the on the one side what they've done is uh, they've taken that blade and they've sort of twisted it around i would say it looks pretty much like an apple core crossed with a crossed with a tomato knife now the promise on the box as always is that it's going to make my life easier i doubt it so let's see how it works with cutting the top off Yeah, That was pretty easy, um, as it should be with a serrated knife. So the idea is that I'm supposed to stick this thing in and turn it around and then magically pull out the seeds. Yeah, there was no magic about it. It didn't work. It cut the chili in half. So in my book, this thing is crap. It gets one out of ten. Now, after having recently ripped a book to shreds, I thought I'd put on the kid gloves before taking a book off the shelf and find one that I'd highly recommend. Today we're looking at My View by Shannon Bennett of the restaurant Voudemande. I can very confidently say that Shannon Bennett's Melbourne restaurant is easily my most favourite restaurant in Australia. Every meal I've eaten there over the years has been memorable and the book itself is thankfully reflective of the recipes used and the dish is served. The recipes are deeply rooted in the classics and are much more about technique than the use of chemicals. It's something that's been the norm for modern cookbooks of late, and it really doesn't fit with me. There's certainly a very strong element of Escoffier running throughout the book, and I don't doubt that Bennett's time with some of Britain's best chefs, have influenced the resultant dishes. The photography in the book is superb, and I found the backstory to Bennett's rise to culinary fame very interesting. The book's entertaining, and it's worth returning to over the years. It's definitely one to get for your own bookshelf. Right, no more bleating about the bush, let's talk meat. Now, lambs become the generic term for meat of a young sheep. Technically, lambs are only lambs until they're a year old, and then they're supposed to be called hoggets. Between us, I think it's safe to say that the term lamb is more carnivore-friendly, especially for restaurant menus. I can only imagine that... And how would Sir Lycus like hoggett cook this evening would probably cause some confusion and seem overly pretentious, even for a hipster, no-reservations-taken type of Hong Kong restaurant. Anyway, moving on. Less popular, maybe because of its strong flavour, is the meat of a fully-grown sheep called mutton. For sure in Indian cuisine, mutton reigns supreme. I think it's because it can stand up to the intense onslaught of typical Indian spices. Certainly when cooked, it slowly yields into a delicious tender meat that's almost impossible to beat. In all cuisines, there are occasions that meals need to be transported for enjoyment later. The Cornish pasty, the sandwich, and of course, the burrito. They're all designed to carry a filling and to be eaten a little later. My home city of Durban in South Africa, it was populated by many generations of Indian settlers, is home to the famous bunny chow. It's ordered either as a quarter, half or whole, a standard loaf of white bread that's been hollowed out and the cavities filled with a curry. Common fillings include chicken on the bone, beans for our vegetarian friends and without a doubt the king of them all, is the mutton curry. The centre of the bread is then put on top of the curry and everything's eaten by hand, finishing with the crust of the bread which has soaked up all of those delicious curry juices. Right, let's get the lowdown on Durban's finest. I'm here at my favourite curry restaurant in Hillcrest where I live and before nipping down to go and get the secrets of a bunny chai I thought I'd stop by and find out just a little bit about the lamb vindaloo. Okay, so I'm with Mr. Singh and we're going to make a curry right from scratch. I'm making the lamb vindaloo.
2: It's a very famous, uh, my hot dish in the whole menu. Now I'll tell you how to make lamb vindaloo. First I'll put the fresh garlic. And my pre prepared uh, gravy for onion and uh, tomato base. I'll use that gravy to make vindaloo. The Vindalu is famous for their special Vindalu paste which is made by the red chili, garlic and vinegar. So I'll put little bit for the flavor. For the hotness i use the green chili. And my secret spices is the Punjabi Garam Masala. fresh lamb with the potato. To increase the flavor, I am using fresh coriander. Just my hot curry is ready for serving. It's called lamb bindle.
0: Well, that's the lamb Vindaloo all wrapped up. Let's go and find out about the bunny chow. I'm here with Sheila Naidu at the very famous Goundons to find out about the mutton bunny chow.
3: The mutton bunny is very famous in our restaurants. It's just cooked in a basic, simple way uh, with the Gounden's recipe, and there's no marinating <laughs> of the meat. It's just the secret is to how to cook it, and it's in the recipe. It's our curry powder that we use.
0: What do you make? What What is included in those sort of spices?
3: The most important is the ti- the the, ti- the chili powder that we use. Normally you just use a basic tomato, onions, and uh, your chili powder that goes in, your ginger, garlic, and then your mutton. And add some water, let it to boil for half an hour, add some potatoes, and then add your coriander, and your curry is done within an hour. It's cooked on gas stove, and it takes like an hour to cook on, because we are using mutton, not lamb. Like Lamb is much more tender, the mutton is much more firm, and so in a bunny chow, mutton is the best.
0: Okay, and um, when it comes to bunny chows, I know that you do a quarter, half, and a whole. Which is probably, which is the most popular? The quarters. Okay. Because
3: a person can eat a quarter.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, And uh, uh, approximately how many um, bunny chows would you say you sold a month or a day?
3: A day, like about 250, 300 bunnies.
0: That was Sheila Nairu of the very famous Goundins in Durban. You can't beat things when they're that authentic. Continuing on our little lamb tour today, let's keep up the spice level, perhaps not in the curry sense, and chat to the celebrated chef, Greg Malouf, about his favourite lamb dish and how he was inspired to rework this one after a trip to Oman.
4: So my favourite dish, my favourite lamb dish in particular, is a dish that I came across recently whilst I was in Oman. Um, at a resort. I was a guest chef for the week, and it was in Zingy Bay, which is a kind of hidden area in in Oman. And I came across this dish by accident. Um, The resort chef was cooking for a celebration, and I was watching the uh, preparation of the dish. He was using whole lamb, and I was fascinated by the dish because he was wrapping it in leaves, in date leaves and um, cooked it in underground with coals. So with the adaption I created this dish using lamb leg or lamb shoulder. We made a spice rub or a spice mix with really heady Arabic spices you know including cumin, coriander, um, allspice, paprika. Lots of garlic and olive oil and just rubbed it all over the lamb. And then I wrapped it in um, soaked date leaves. And then again, uh, I placed that into a hessian bag and placed it in the oven. It was quite a, a gentle oven of 140 degrees or so for about eight hours. And then took it out, checked it, and the meat was unbelievable. It was so tender. And it also, um, the spice mix really made the lamb have that wonderful Arabic feel about it and taste about it. So that was eaten with some um, steamed rice. It was a very simple dish, but this, the rice is made with vermicelli. It's a very typical Arabic rice and a big bowl of uh, salad with that. The salad, I usually like to eat, I love tabbouleh, but Again, a slight adaption to the tabbouleh that I make is substituting, um, cracked wheat for, uh, baby lentils. So it's almost like a lentil tabbouleh. Again, this tabbouleh is something I ate as a, as a kid. My mum used to make the, uh, make tabbouleh with lentils. So it's again another wonderful childhood memory. That
0: was chef Greg Malouf. Now, it would be wrong to do a show about lamb and not head over to Greece. Unfortunately, my beers for bacon travel budget only gets me as far as central. So who better to ask than big chef Mike Van Wormelo, who brought Hong Kong a classic Greek place called Suvla that used to serve up some of the best Greek food our city's ever seen. The dish I'm going to do today for you is a, is a beautiful dish
5: using the leg, and we're going to use the orzo pasta. The orzo pasta is a beautiful one that the Greeks have adopted because it's a small rice-shaped pasta, a lovely ingredient to add to soups and things like that because it's just a beautiful little barley-shaped pasta. Now, orzo in Italian actually translates to barley, so that's where the name came from. The Greek name for this dish is ani Now, it's often served on Sunday after church as a very hearty dish. Basically, a lamb pasta, if you want to break it down to its simple form Uh, we've got some beautiful lamb leg uh, using a little bit of the fat off the lamb leg, the legs nicely because it's got a a really nice fat content and you know when you're cooking these sort of dishes the fat adds to the moisture of the dish Uh, other ingredients, beautiful fresh lemon We've got some fresh oregano and dried oregano in the Greek cuisine. These two are beautiful. Fresh gives a lovely flavour. The dried has its own distinct flavour. and It's very common to use dried uh, oregano and dried thyme in the uh, Greek cuisine. The other thing that gives it a beautiful flavour is a beautiful glass of uh, red wine. Now, the Greek red wines are actually really nice, and they're they're really robust. They're great for cooking with, because they've actually got a, a sharpness that really lends itself to the dish we're going to have some beautiful fresh tomatoes onions garlic of course and the spice in the dish is cinnamon now sweet spice greek cuisine is not known for its huge mix of spices but they do use some lovely they'll add those spices that add beautiful flavors like cinnamon i would call a sweet spice and it it gives a real very well-rounded flavor to this beautiful dish and we're going to top it with a bit of cheese called kefalutori Um, which is similar, and if you couldn't get it, you could use uh, parmesan cheese. It's got a lovely saltiness to it, and like parmesan cheese, uh, it gives a beautiful depth of flavour to the dish. Uh, Quickly putting it together, getting a baking dish or a a nice heavy base saucepan warm, and we would have cut up our lamb into beautiful cubes. First we would fry off the lamb, of course, just getting that beautiful caramelisation. You know, any meat that you're going to use getting those lovely colours onto the meat, develop those beautiful flavours. We would then take those out and then you would add your onion and garlic and you would use all those flavours you've caught up in the bottom of the pan to catch on to the onion and garlic. You add your thyme, you add your dry thyme and your dry oregano. Let them cook down. You want those onions beautiful and soft. Uh, Even though it's a slow-cooked dish, you want to let that build the flavours as you go then we would stir in the lamb again we would add some stock if you've got it water can do but stock is nice because you develop a stronger flavor and then you generously uh let that cook now before you add your pasta you're letting it stew and you want to make that lamb as tender as you can get it so you let it cook and it would take probably two to three hours you can walk away as long as it's on the low heat you're not going to burn it you can put it in the oven then you have your cooked pasta throw that into the pot once the lamb's beautiful Stir it around. I like to add a few olives as well for that spark of saltiness that goes with beautiful kalamata olives. And you then just let it cook, take the lid off, and this is where you use your oven. You bang it in the oven and you let the top start to crust up. And you can you can add your cheese at this stage as well and let it melt over the top and get that beautiful cheesy top. Once you've got that, you pull it out, you put it in the centre of the table and... My word, it is one of the most tastiest dishes you can have.
0: Thanks, Big Mike. So we've done Oman, we've done Athens. Hell, we've even done Durban. So that means to bring it back to a more classic footing, we have to go to France. Well, on my budget anyway. And we're going to talk to Chef Renaud Morin all about the pot au feu
6: The pot au feu was a dish that uh, traditionally uh, people were just throwing a pot in the fire, which is... The, Translation and still use uh, to the day to, to name something that goes to the to the stove, the, the pot. In my family, we, as obviously southern France, have not too many cows because of the of the, the geography or the relief of the the whole region. We have more lamb and goats, and uh, using the lamb throwing a pot uh, in the fire, sometime into uh, the cooling down uh, baker oven of the village, which was uh, quite interesting. Um, it was just delicious. You cook it for eight hours, it goes all tender, all the vegetables exhale all the flavors, all the fat melts into the water. And it's very poor, peasant, people working hard uh, dish and easy to, to drink. You can have the, the bouillon as well as you can have the meat and the vegetable together. I just put a twist on it because we tend to eat lamb with uh, anchovy in uh, southern France. So I made an anchovy gremolata to, to to make it a bit more, a bit more alive in terms of flavor, uh, a bit more edge. Um, but uh, technically... Um, you need to take the meat, put the vegetable in, uh, cover it with water, close the pot, throw it on the fire. That's really as simple as that. I use a uh, lamb shoulder uh, because it have the quality to take the heat of eight hours cooking. Uh, for other types of other cut of lamb, it will be more difficult. It will just uh, make the meat too dry, or there is enough um, fibers and, and fat into a shoulder. I think it's, it's the right uh, the right piece. Uh, Vegetables, I use a traditional mirepoix garnish in some ways, carrots, onion, leek, celery. Uh, I do a little bit of spice, uh, cumin, black peppercorn, uh, and aromatics as thyme, garlic, and bay leaf. Um, And that's it, really. Uh, I use the chicken stock to enrich my my liquid, but uh, you can use water as well. It's, It's exactly the same. The grumolata is—it's a base of sauce that I make with our, my homemade um, salted lemons in uh, in cochino We just bake them and use the pulp that have been baked after you rinse off the salt, of course, um, and use the skin chopped, mixed together with uh, various fin uh, or herbs. You have a bit of basilic, a bit of parsley, a bit of chervil. Um, you have all these ingredients: basil, spring onions, and then I add up uh, the anchovy, salted anchovy, so the very strong one. So it's uh, it's quite powerful, but he basically announced the the overall tend to say not bland, but obviously when the meat have been boiled for eight hours, it have, have lost a little bit of the flavour. The flavour have gone into the into the broth. So it's it's nice to have something that spices up a bit.
0: That was Chef Rena Moran bringing us up to the time we need to chat about another pot, our alphabet soup one, of course. Letter today, and because it's almost summer, let's start with the P for Panzanella, an ancient Italian salad made with tomatoes and, of course, bread. Often added ingredients like vegetables make this a dish worth enjoying. P is for Parfait, a frozen confection that was originally made with coffee but now refers to a rich, frozen dessert traditionally made with egg white, whipped cream, and a little bit of gelatin. P is also for piroshki, little stuffed pastries that are served with soups in Russia. And in a similar way, P is also for petivier, a round domed puff pastry parcel that's traditionally filled with almond cream. Last on the list from the letter P is the three-legged pot called the poiki, South African thing. I suppose a pot, of course, that you can hang over the fire while you get P for pissed, drinking P for pinotage. On that peaceful, playful note, it's time to say bye-bye for now.